I can stack them hundreds to the roof. I ain't stopping till they stack to the moon. Without me, my family wouldn't have food. Anybody go against me, gotta lose. What is up, guys? You're listening to the MF CEO Project. I'm Andy. I'm your host, and I am the motherfucking CEO. Guys, today we have an awesome show. I'm so excited to do this show. Way more excited than I am to usually hang out with Vaughn because we all know how Vaughn is. I'll just leave it at that. Right. But he is here. Vaughn Helsing. Diesel. Vaughn Helsing. The pa- Vaughn Helsing. We were just talking about ghosts earlier. So I, the, I the figured. Pastor I could... of Disaster. Yeah. DJ, DJ. Got, what else we got? Vaughn Jeremy. Vaughn, no, we're not adopting Vaughn Jeremy. I'm sorry. I'm still up for vote. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy, I, I, you got my vote. Yeah, my vote. <laughs> two solid votes for Vaughn Jeremy here. All right. All so, right. Vaughn, I'll let you intro our guests and let everybody know. We're going to get right into it today because we sat, literally sat here for three hours talking shit. Right. We should have just recorded that. That was a podcast in itself. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you introduce our, our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, the Diesel Brothers. The Diesel Brothers. Hey, man. We're not actually brothers either. Yeah. Yeah, I actually just looked that up. Yeah, because when we introduce ourselves to people, they're like, you know, it's like, hi, Dave. Well, I think it would be weird if your parents named you Dave and Dave. That's what I'm saying. People people believe it, though. And we'll be like, yeah, our parents weren't very creative. And people are like, oh, that's cool. They're still cool. You guys are cool. (laughs) (laughs) We don't look alike. The beards, maybe. But yeah, not actually brothers. Feel like brothers. Uh, We lived, you know. In my basement for a long time when we first started our business, and my daughter thinks that he's dad, you know, dad number two. So it's definitely, uh, it's probably close. Wait, your daughter thinks he's dad. Let's reverse yeah, that. Back that up, right? You are more, you are more right. We're more. Yeah. Yeah. Anything goes in Utah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he was around when my daughter was born, and he lived like you know when you have a friend stay at your house, right? Of course. Like they usually stay in the guest house or the basement. Yeah. They don't usually stay across the hall from the master bedroom. That's closer that's, to that, the nursery. That, that was the layout of the house, and so you know we would take turns waking up. Changing the baby's diaper. It was hey, man. Oh, did you Dave? take a turn? I don't think I took a turn. <laughs> he and my wife would take turns. Yeah, so. No, that's that's That's, that's us, awesome. the Diesel Brothers. Yep. Show that's on awesome. Discovery Channel. Yeah. Amazing companies. Uh, true entrepreneurs. Very young men. You guys don't realize how young these guys are, uh, probably. But they're, what, 33, 34? Yep. And they're just really doing a great job kicking ass in life. I think the best part about it is about, I don't know, maybe six months or a year ago, uh, teaching hour, so we were talking about the Mega Ram Runner you guys built uh, back in the It was back when you and I first started talking on Instagram. And we were in there I talking. Told, I text you about this. This is funny. Yeah, yeah. we were in there and we're talking because uh, Brian is the bald guy who was in here earlier. You know, we're just truck guys, right? You, you know the game. And we were talking about how awesome that, that eco diesel was. And like, no, the, ra- the Mega Ram or whatever. Well, the Mega Ram. The mini, whatever he the said Mega Ram came in here. Right? You, yeah, and you texted me. I think Mega you texted Ram. me they want the mini Mega Ram. Yeah, yeah. the Mega yeah. Ram or whatever the hell it was. And I forget the build, but we were talking about how badass it was. And, yeah. and I'm like, who built that? And they're like, the Diesel Brothers. The diesel I'm, brothers. Like, I'm like, dude, I talk to, to Heavy D all the time. And I was yeah. like, no and they're, fucking yeah, way. they're like, no. And remember I texted yeah, you. I'm yeah, like, dude, these guys all think I'm super cool because I know you. Yeah, out of nowhere too. It was funny. But I mean, you know, it's it actually is a testament to the world that we live in now right like 20 years ago we'd never knew, even known who you were yeah but the internet well i guess tv has kind of changed up but the internet allows you to really tap well, into a different I think side what's of cool life. about the internet too though is that like it allows you to connect with people like that yeah you know instead of just seeing them on tv like we were just talking about uh duck dynasty guys yeah. 
Dude, I would love to have dinner with those guys or For fucking sure. go hang out or do something. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, though. We were up against a serious challenge when we started the TV show versus our social media because network TV, Discovery came to us and they want us to be traditional reality TV guys yeah. and live by their format, which means everything that's happening is six months behind the curve. Don't tell anybody what's going on. Live your life quietly until it airs. Oh, we're yeah. like, We're like, no, we're... We're living now, That's right. and so you're going to have to find a way to adapt this show into what we're doing today, tomorrow, and the next day, and even though it doesn't air for another six months or so, because that's standard TV programming, right? Uh, dude, that was a challenge, man. I bet. It, but it was fun, though, because we went to Discovery, who's this behemoth corporation, and we just started basically saying, here's how it's going to work. Take it or yeah. leave it. And the show rated well, so luckily they said, okay, well, we got to trust you guys because we don't want to lose the show. So, man, they made some changes and they started doing like uh, more up to the minute stuff. Like, you, you know, with episodes airing, with current giveaways that we were actually doing that were, you know, being commercials on the show. We brought this like time space spectrum that the network is so protective of. We brought it so much tighter than it normally is. Well, I so. think you pioneered a lot, too, because you guys were the first guys that ever really... Um, got the networks to do that on your time frame and now what you're seeing is different other shows even at other networks they're doing more live things they're right speeding up the process but they have to to compete yeah that's you know what right I'm saying? Like, yeah you but i'm saying compete. that started with these guys yeah. yeah i mean we were one of the first social media uh, what do you want to call it? personalities influencers that actually became a hit tv show and you know there's other guys out there that have done tv shows big social media guys you know logan paul jake paul those guys have yeah. all been on different you know disney shows and stuff like that but none of their shows have ever i mean they've done okay but None of them have it's stayed. It's a mainstream show. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so we, we got lucky enough to be able to be in a position where our social media personalities rolled into our TV personalities seamlessly after some you know some fighting with the network, and now we are who we are on both online and TV, which is, man, that doesn't happen very often. No, not at all. It works so, for Kim Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, caught one porno. Yeah, I mean, but, but what is <laughs> she? Yeah, exactly. Hey, you guys didn't have a sex time? Uh, not, not yet, yet. no. Well, you're talking about just two dads <laughs> across the bedroom. Yeah, you know. two, yeah. two dads, one cup, whatever they call really that. Weird. Yeah. 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 So yeah. before the show, before any of this, I mean, you guys have been friends for a very long time. Yeah. Take us back to how this all got to this point. <laughs> Man, I tell you, like... Our story is the American dream. And I'm sure everybody says that, but it really was the American dream. The way our business was formed and the way that it kind of evolved was two guys doing what they love and trying to find a way to make a living doing it. And everybody always says, don't make your hobby your career, right? Because you'll get burnt out. We said that doesn't have to be the case. Like we can, we can change this a little bit and we just want to be able to do what we want to do, enjoy it and be able to make a living at it. So what we started doing back in 2008, uh, Dave and I were single, uh, you know, there's like six or seven of us all lived in a house together, a bunch of dudes. Um, you know, this was in the economic downturn, the recession, right? Like everybody yeah. talks about the recession. It was terrifying. I think we were just young enough to not really be scathed by the recession. Yeah. You know, I, I think if we were three, four years older, we would have had real estate holdings and maybe some projects yeah. that could have potentially just crumbled. So we were in a position where we had really nothing to lose, yeah. Yeah. but we had a mini excavator and a skid loader. And we said, all right, well, all these big companies are out of business. Let's go pick up, you know, just the crumbs. So we went out and we started knocking on doors and started figuring out people that wanted, you know, a freaking uh, RV pad, you know, dug on the side of their house. I'm talking a 12 by 20 RV pad, like all the stuff that the big contractors, have you guys seen the show War Dogs? But mm, no. they, they talk. They talked about selling guns to the government. Oh, um, the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 the movie. The yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how they talk about the big contracts and the crumbs. 
Yeah. We were grabbing the crumbs and we were killing it because we had no overhead. Our equipment was stored at the side of our rental house where we stayed. We had one truck, which was mine. And then I used some of my uncle's, you know, construction equipment. So no overhead. We'd go out, do these jobs and just make three, 400 bucks a day. And we were stoked yeah. because we weren't working for anybody and we were on our own schedule. So we started taking that business and rolling and rolling and realizing that, man, we could probably do a bigger project. We could do, we might be able to do a rock wall. So we start building rock walls, which to this day is one of my most favorite things to do. Like it is so therapeutic when you sit in a tractor with a thumb on it and you set boulders in place. Yeah. Have you uh, never tried to go no, rent I a machine? It. We oh, yeah. did it. I did it at the, uh, the entrance to my farm. So, uh, you yeah. know, you yeah. know, so me and teach built that we sat in the fucking equipment doing it together. Cause like one of us had to run the forks yeah. and the other one had to run the excavator with the thumb. Yep. And, and, uh, Dude, we did. We took that wall down and put it up probably thirty times so before, <laughs> before, because all the pieces got yeah. fit together like yeah, a Lego. Exactly. And then you end up, you're like, oh, I think this one will look better if you flipped it over the other and way. The wall looks different from different angles. Yes. Yep. So when you're setting it from the top, you're like, oh, yeah. this, the top of this rock looks good. But then Dave would be down there, and be like, bro, the, you got a huge hole underneath yeah. this one. You got to flip it and yeah. twist it. Mm. So we didn't know shit about structure. We didn't know shit about engineering. But I'm telling you right now, some life advice. If you ever get down. Go rent a mini excavator. Dude. Only a couple hundred bucks a day. Go get a load of rock. Dude, what do I tell you? I So when I was building my farm out, I bought this farm in 2011 with literally every dollar I had. Um, and we built everything on it, basically. It, the most therapeutic thing for me to do is to run an excavator. Hands down. Yeah, hmm. because I'm. It's it takes both hands. It takes yep. both feet. Yep. And you total concentration. Yep. So you could be in there for an hour and you feel like, for somebody like us, yep. where you have a million things going on, you feel like you take a vacation. 100%. Yeah. Like I check my phone. Turn your phone off. Yeah. Or just put put audio on and listen yeah. to, to some music or something. But if you sit there and try to take phone calls, so this is where we got with the business. Yeah. Phone calls would start coming in and I would be so frustrated because I'm trying to run the machine. If you're trying to run an excavator with with taking phone calls, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. Either it's too loud or you don't have a hand yeah. because you take a hand off the stick and then you're not productive. Yeah. So, man. Or you'd be like me. Turn it sideways. Turn, turn, turn <laughs> flip it over. Oh, dude, I, I got to managed to flip it over on its, <laughs> on, its, on its roof. Pull up the employee of the month picture. You got that. Yeah. So, this was, you know, Dave's my best friend. Dave, right? you know this is a podcast. Did you flip right? one over I know, I know, but I, I, I got to show Wait, After you listen to this, I want you to go to my Instagram yeah. page and look at this picture because there's a picture of Diesel Dave as the employee of the month. He was my first and only employee for a long time. He took a skid loader and uh, we were moving a lot of dirt this day and somehow tipped it all the way up on its end. You know how they wheelie over and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah. But it was a tracked skid loader, which those things aren't supposed to tip. Yeah. Tipped it all the way over and... Uh, it was right after he had just dumped all the dirt in the cab. You know, when you lift up the old machines didn't have the leveling bucket yeah. and it would literally it would dip, dump all your dirt. You. Yeah. Yeah. So he had just covered himself with dirt and then he tipped it over. And so I have a picture of him giving a thumbs up of a machine. that's like front flip somersaulted down He's a hill dirt. and it's dude, it was like, those were just such simple days. Yeah. Like we, this was 2008, 2009. Uh, like I said, economic downturn, but people still needed some, you know, construction right. work done. Yeah. So we went out and just took any job we could possibly get. And like I said, we started getting more and more aggressive with what we were taking on. And one day my mom's friend came to us and was like, Hey, I'm doing some landscaping in my backyard. I want to do a waterfall. You guys ever done a waterfall? And I'm like, oh, I mean, I've seen them. I, you know, I, I totally like fake it till you make it. Can't right. Like, yeah. That's, <laughs> right. That's, that's, I've totally, we set rock walls all the time. And so she's like, okay, do it. And she showed me the bid of the other guy that had like bid out the, the project. 
And I'm like, son of a bitch, this is more money than we've made in the last six months on one job. So I think the bid she got was like eight, nine grand. And I'm like, we'll do it for 2,500 bucks. And like, she's like, done. And so dude, Dave and I go to Google and we're like, all right, let's figure out how to make a waterfall. And so and she wanted she wanted a pondless waterfall, not just a waterfall. So this had to have like gravel and all the pump and everything buried. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like, we're going to go for it. We're going to try it. And uh, dude, we we built that waterfall probably 15, 20 times. Oh like, yeah. Like when you talk about like OCD, build a rock wall is nothing compared to having to place rocks for water flow. And guide, so, guide the water down the path. Dude, yeah. Need. Like, yeah. because everything looks awesome until you turn the water on and then all of a sudden you're like, well, son of a bitch. Now the water's all going Didn't out even, the back of the yeah, waterfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no flow here. You know, water's supposed to go downhill, right? Dude, <laughs> it, downhill is is relative when yeah. you're talking, when you're in a tractor, everything looks kind of downhill. So man, that was a crazy project. We took it on and at the end of the day, we ended up spending way more time on it, but we were successful with it. And we're like, yeah, this is it. Lesson. Like, yeah, we, we now know how to do waterfalls. So we started advertising knowing how to do waterfalls. 7,500 bucks. So, yeah. <laughs> for, dude, we started making more money on waterfalls, more running on, walk, uh, on rock walls. And um, so we got to the point where we're maybe a year, year and a half in the business at this point. And we realized that I could make a little bit of money buying the tow rigs that we were, you know, um, moving the equipment around with. So I was going through a truck like every six months and we'd have a buddy to buy it from the auction take it, tow, you know, the tractors with it, make some money, you know, you working it and then we'd sell it. So I kind of might be onto something there with that model. So one day we are on this big job, biggest job we'd ever taken. Like it was like the pinnacle of our excavating career and we had to rent a big machine for it. And this was like a 20, 30,000 pound excavator, probably, you know, retail price, 60, 70 grand. Um, and it was to knock out a big foundation on a house. And so we take the machine down there and, uh, dude, we're stoked. Like we're going to make so much money on this easy tear out. And, uh, we're banging through this foundation. I'm talking like eight inch foundation walls. Like in, in Utah, basements are, you know, very popular. Like they're all over the place. So this is, I think they're probably six, seven feet tall, eight inches thick concrete. And, you know, to do that, looking back now, I know I needed like a concrete hammer and a saw and like yeah. I should have been doing it the right way. We're Check like, no, nah, we're just going to bang it with the machine. Yeah. So we're sitting there just hitting away at this wall and, and we're killing it, dude. We're hauling off the concrete. We're making good time. Just like, dude, we are going to make a killing on this job. And we get to the very last section of the wall and I get greedy with the machine. And I start, um, you know, people who are listening this, you can't really visualize what's happening, but excavators aren't designed for like lateral impact. So if you have the arm extended and you hit the wall, it's not good. Like it'll do it a little (laughs) bit if your arm's extended in and you're like not too much leverage. I extended the arm way out because this wall wouldn't break. Boom, 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 hitting it. And we're like, bam, knocks it, knocks it over. Like, sweet dude, that's the last piece of the wall. And I look at the arm of the excavator and it's twisted. It's twisted out like this. So when I, when I boom it in, dude, it's like four feet off track. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, we just, we just totaled this excavator. Like this is a rental. We didn't get insurance. Like we didn't do anything. Like what do we do? And we're just like panicked. So we're just super bummed out. Head home. Um, go talk to like a bunch of different repair shops. Like, Hey, is this fixable? Can we do this? And ultimately it ended up not being fixable and dude, it ruined us. Like everything we had made up until that point, the rental company took from us literally our last like bottom dollar. And at this point I just met the girl of my dreams, right? Like I'd met her. I'm starting to like form a family, getting ready to get married. I think this was honestly the summer before I got married. And, uh, so it's just, I, you know, I turned to Dave one day and I'm like, dude, that's it. Like we're done. I gotta go get a job. And I don't know what you're going to do. And so Dave just kind of did what Dave does best. And vagabond. he just went into (laughs) pure hobo mode. Like (laughs) no no hard feelings. Nobody was mad at each other, but dude, man, this, this guy can just disappear into thin air and just do his thing. So, uh, where did you go from there? 
I went anywhere from South Africa to China to <laughs> see the world, man. I'd made a couple dollars and that I didn't tell you about, so you didn't have to pay pay your bills with yeah, my so money. Yeah, so all the money I was making, <laughs> I was putting back into business. And Dave was, getting, you know, collecting a check. It's small, but he saved his money. And man, he just kind of like it wasn't even like a conversation that we had where it was like, see you later. It was just one day to the next, like we weren't running equipment anymore. And Dave was out running the marathon of the great wall of China and I was getting married. And, uh, so I actually went and took a job with a company called Rockwell watches. Um, I kind of helped found the company back in 2009. A good, good friend of mine. He's a, like a lifelong mentor named Rich Eggett. Um, I'd worked for him when I was younger running his motorcycle rental shops. And he brought me on and said, Hey, my company's your company. Go find a way to make money. He didn't give me a job title, didn't give me a position. So I just started traveling to events, like learning about event marketing. I'm starting to learn. I'm starting to put two and two together about some things that we talked about in the past. Yeah. Like as term, as how, how much you and I love to save cash. Oh yeah. Now I'm understanding why. Dude, I, yeah. I have a, I have a number in my bank account and yeah. it changes all the time, but yeah. I have a number. If I get below that number, yeah, you freak I literally get like the cold yes. sweat. Like I, I just don't do it. So cash is king for me because yeah. I've been there where there was no cash. That's right. I, so background, I come from nothing. I come from no money. Uh, my dad died when I was 21, um, brain tumor. And he had a brain tumor when I was one, maybe one or two years old. So, um, 1986, he had this brain tumor. He was a green beret, got, uh, released from med- medically discharged from the military. And, uh, they gave him like three months to live, said, go home and enjoy the rest of your time with your family. And so my dad was, you know, dying with us. So we thought that he had recorded the tape saying goodbye to all his kids because we were all too young to remember. Um, and we're obviously, you know, religious being from Utah. We are Mormon. We're not the crazy Mormons. Um, and he'd received a blessing from one of the guys in our church that said, you're going to be able to live long enough to see your kids grow up. You guys got to realize my dad had a tumor the size of a tennis ball on the size of his head at this time. This was like, it was almost insulting that somebody would give him that blessing because it was so unrealistic. Right. It was like, you're not going to like, it's just, it's, this is rude. Don't give your family false hope. And I'm telling you guys within three weeks of that blessing, the tumor would just disappeared. Wow. I'm telling you, not just, not just like tapered off, but he had a, he had an operation where his left lateral lobe was removed. So my dad always had this huge dent in the side of his head. They pulled that out and the tumor was gone for good. So my dad lived an additional 20 years, 21 years. I get home from uh, serving a mission for our church and I'm the youngest of the family. Everybody in my family had already either you know been married or gone off to school or done whatever. They'd grown up and I turned 21 and I guess that was the, the age that God said, you're grown up too. We're taking your dad. And so within three months of being home, my dad died of cancer. The same tumor came back aggressively 21 years later and just killed him immediately. So that left me with a mom to take care of. My dad didn't go to college until he was 35 because uh, of his tumor, of his sickness and stuff like that. So um, he he didn't ever make any money until like I was like 16, 17 years old. And even then he was a mechanical or manufacturing engineer, didn't make a ton of money, but our family was just kind of starting to get on their feet when he died, which left me with a mom to take care of and, and, you know, debt and bills and all kinds of stuff. So I had zero dollars. Dave, we joke because where we live, uh, there's a big highway that splits our, you know, our houses anything east of the highway is considered the east side, like moving on up, you know, like the high, like the high <laughs> life and anything west of the highway is considered like, like west of the tracks, you know? Yeah. So, so I grew up west of the, of the tracks and he grew up on the east side. So he had less to worry about. His dad was a pilot, um, but still he came, didn't have any money, right? Oh, I didn't have any money, but my parents taught me how to work hard, which is why I got a job with you. And that's really what I benefit most from in life from my upbringing is how my parents taught me to work hard, for what I wanted. And so when we went to work, 
That's why I was the one with the shovel. Yep. I was the one getting banged in the head by the skid well, loader bucket. <laughs> Wait, I did hit him multiple times with the skid loader bucket. Man, we had some accidents that were like funny at the time, but I look back, I'm like, dude, I almost decapitated you with that tractor. So, dude, it was the Wild West. It really was. We were young. We didn't have insurance. We didn't have a business license. We were just going for it, trying to figure out what direction we wanted to go, how we wanted to make money. Making it work. Yeah, making it work. Hard work goes a long way in that, in that equation. Dude, that's the thing about Utah is uh, we're Utah, and it's not just Utah, but it's, it's very like emphasized in Utah is work your ass off. Like mm -hmm. you work from a very young age and that's why the workforce out there is so strong because kids are taught to work. Like it's not what it is nowadays. Right. You know, you guys talk about the millennials and the snowflakes and stuff like that. Dude, that like that shit wouldn't fly back then. Yeah. You had to figure out how to make it work. And uh, we did. And I'm grateful for my parents for teaching me that. You know, my parents never had a lot of money, but they had like the most amazing ethics and morals. A lot like of that. value. Uh, dude, th th what I learned from my parents is worth way more than if my dad would have left me 10 Dude, it's your whole brand now. Everything. That's the thing. It's like people are like, like if you haven't seen the show and you're not familiar with these guys, they're bringing back family values and, and core beliefs in a, in a cool way, which is making it cool. The, the whole, the whole, the success of your brand, in my opinion, isn't you guys build cool trucks. You guys do build cool trucks. There's lots of motherfuckers building cool trucks. What they make is cool is being good people. Having good family values, having a good culture, doing the right thing. The things that should be cool, you know, and should always be cool. But like, <clears throat> unfortunately, as we talked in the last episode, uh, it's just not that way anymore. And I think, I think ultimately, that's your whole life now. Dude, my dad taught me some very important things. My dad, uh, dude, my dad was a phenomenal guy. Like the guy... He like he spent time in jail in Mexico for running over a pig. Uh, to he he went on a mission for our church to Germany and baptized over fifty people. When the average missionary over there baptizes like one person, the guy just lived a phenomenal life. And so I learned a lot from him. But I think the biggest thing that we learned was priorities. It just you need to learn how to prioritize early on in your life because if you don't, you're going to wind up getting to an age where you have to prioritize, but you've never learned how to do it. So you struggle. And I think that's what the millennials are going through right now is they've never been taught that they have to prioritize like either lunch money or toys, right. you know, did different things. They and want so, it all. And they exactly. They just want to have yeah. it all. But guess what? Life happens. And right. then you have to figure out how to make, you know, those decisions. And if you didn't make them early on, then you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle later in life. So I'm grateful for my old man teaching me that. Uh, he'd always say it's better to want something you don't have than to have something you don't want. Um, and I think that was always more or less, I think he was trying to tell me not to get any girls pregnant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great lesson. Yeah. And I'd, I'd leave on a date and he'd, be, and he'd say, you know, we're walking out the door. He'd say, remember a stiff dick has no conscience. So that, that was like <laughs> two things that my old man, I just like stand out. And, and but I mean, dude, uh, you said ran over a pig in Mexico, right? Yeah. <laughs> was, we don't know exactly what happened, but the, the dude was, the dude was very, very, uh, colorful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, anyways, he taught us a ton and my, you know, all of our parents taught us that it's, you have to work out of that, you know, first you just have to work. Nothing comes without work. And so, you know, luckily I have a good uncle and my grandpa kind of took me under their wing and let me start kind of working construction with them. And, uh, you know, where my dad was sick, I was learning how to work on the farm with my uncle and grandpa. So, uh, I think one of the most important things that I can emphasize to people. Now that I've been successful, people come to us, you know, you guys, people come to you guys and say, Hey, like, you know, you were just telling me that a lot of your followers are younger men trying to figure out what the hell to do next. Yeah. I think the best piece of advice that anybody could ever get is there's nothing easier than a hard day's work. Right. I mean, yeah. like, really there's nothing like whether it be manual labor or whether it be whatever you're doing, just go work because work solves all your problems. 
because it keeps your mind busy. It doesn't allow you to get in like that mentality of like, son of a bitch, like, you know, get yeah, down you on yourself. Do. Exactly. Yeah. It gives you something like mission. Exactly. It gives you a mission and it doesn't allow you to get stagnant. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of what we were brought up on is work. I think a point that you made, like prioritization is a huge key. Like we employ a lot of young men here and my meeting on Monday was how you manage your time is exactly how you manage your bank account. Yep. Like if you don't prioritize your time, let stop letting people steal your time, including yourself. Yep. Like if you're going to go play PlayStation, whatever it is now, 37, well, you should be investing in your knowledge. Like right. learn, learn a trade, learn a skill, learn, learn something. Yep. And the same people who are time broke are money broke because they don't know where their money's going because they just buy the Yeezys or they buy whatever it is. Like they need to prioritize. Like, hey, invest into savings so you can buy a house at some point in time. Right. Like invest in well, the, yourself, the, invest in your bank account. I think account. the biggest issue too that we're talking about <clears throat> is really, first of all, I love millennials. Millennials are our entire workforce here at First Form in all of my companies, uh, in all of our companies, they're excellent workers. Um, there's a couple key things that they lack. One of them is patience. Okay. And one of them is understanding that, um, there's more to life than YOLO. Okay. And the problem is, is that we have a lot of culture issues going on right now where it's telling people, dude, live in the moment, live this, live that. And that's fine. There is a time and place to live in the moment. There is a time and place to say, screw it and enjoy your life and all that. But when that's your whole life, it's not very rewarding and it's not practical because you're not planning for tomorrow. And guess what? All you guys right now who are listening, who are 20 something years old and you're like, fuck it, I'm 20. I'm going to buy this, that. And you're, you're thinking in your brain, I'm never going to be that 40-year-old guy. Listen, I said the same shit. And guess what? I'm on the fucking doorstep of 40 years old. And it feels weird as fuck. Because nope. in my mind, I'm still 25. Yeah, you're never, you never feel yeah. your age. So you, so you do have to take some responsibility back and stop saying, you know, I'm going to go out every single night and spend all... You know, there's a time to grow out of that. And I think... Uh, and all the truly successful people I know, like the people who are truly successful, they grew out of that earlier than later. You know what I mean? They they understood that, you know, you're going to be 40 and 40 is not old. It's not old. I, I'm going to be 40 in July and I still feel like I'm 25, really seriously, legitimately feel like I'm 25 but years old. But do you old. feel like that scale has slid a little bit? Didn't 40 used to be old? Oh, dude. When we were kids, didn't 40... Well, it wasn't really old it was, I, I but we didn't did, know. I think it did because I think the reason that you're seeing it slide um, to where now it's perceived to be a little bit younger is because of social media. Yeah, I think social media, you see a lot of really young uh, 40-something-year-old people that are just now really hitting their stride, becoming successful, doing really cool stuff. Um and I think people are realizing that it's not it's it's not the end of the road. Right. It's the beginning. Yeah, you know. And uh, Gary V posted a thing up the other day. It said, "Do you think forty is the new 20? While I wouldn't say forty is the new twenty, I would say that it's definitely not like it was when we were kids. Forty is not the forty that it was when no. we grew up. Like I remember right. my uncle turning forty and went to his birthday party, and the dude just looked old. I remember yeah. like mm -hmm. it was old. Yeah, but bro, we talk. My wife and I talk about this. Sal and I talk about this, and my friends and I talk about this all the time. You know, dude. Uh, this is, I'm not going to get on some fitness tangent, but the truth is, yeah. is that most people give up and that's like, I see, I see, and this is no offense. If you listen to this and you're my friend from high school, I'm not making fun of you, dude. But like I seen some of my friends from high school and 
They're not taking care of themselves. They're drinking like they were when they were 20 years old. They're not working out. They're not eating right. Dude, they do. They look mm-hmm. quote unquote 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this, you know, so I'm 33, right? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned when I walked in, uh, dude, you're, you, how often do you lift? How often do you work out? I get that a lot. I work out maybe one day a week. I think that just technology, our diets, everything has evolved to where our prime is no longer in our twenties. Yeah. Our prime can extend through like some of oh, the, bro. look at some of the athletes right I'm now. I hit my prime. I'm telling tell you, you that right like now. you can, yeah. you can continue to grow muscle. You can continue to grow your brain. But you that's can a mental, to- that's a mental thing. Yeah. That's what do you accept? What are you willing to accept? Are you willing to accept the average, the, the historical idea of what 40 plus is? Yeah. Or are you willing to fight that? Right. Because here's how, here, I'll tell you who I look at. I look at the rock. Yep. Dude's 47 years old. He looks better than anybody. He's more handsome than anybody. I mean, dude, if you asked me on a date, I would fucking go. The guy doesn't <laughs> age. The guy does like, not age. No, but he works his ass off yep. to, to have that. And yep. I think people are starting to see examples of that in society and they're starting to follow that lead. Well, I think, again, it comes back to the internet and social media. Like when you look at the tie-in of it, like if you're a competitive person, like in that sense, like you don't want to give in. You're like, right. you know what, dude, I want to level up and be that guy. Sal, like, the reason I, dude, like people laugh at this shit, but I look at the rock as a competitor of mine. Like, yeah. and they're like, yeah. Fuck, like, yeah, dude, the guy makes way more money. He's on a different fucking level, but that's who I consider co- friendly competition. I'm rooting for the guy too. I'm like, yeah, yeah. fuck, this is awesome. But like, dude, hey, for, I, he forces you to, he, for, he yeah, has like a, he to, has like a check against you. You know yeah, what I mean? Dude, like, fuck, right. I want to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. But you know, like it, 40 back in the day was, and you got to give somebody like that a lot of credit because he, his examples didn't exist. Well, he's, but, he's actually forging a new example for right. what, you know, 40s can be like. But I think it happens in all aspects. It's not just, it's not just physical appearance. I mean, but I was going to say this. I mean, look at the, at the women. Maybe it's part of us getting a little bit older, but like now your 40, 50 year old women are smoking hot. Dude, that's, what, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. Remember watching your parents get old? Yeah. You, you watched them. You could literally watch yeah. once they hit 30, 40, whatever it was, you'd start to be like, oh, dad's going bald. He's getting a gut. Yeah. Look at you guys. You guys are probably in the best shape of your life, right? I'd close. I, I feel like I'm the best that I could ever be. You, you know what I mean? I'm so you know, my wife and I joke about this all the time because yeah. somehow as we're getting older, like my wife is way, I, and I tell this to her face, she's way more attractive now than she was when we first got married. Oh, and yeah. I, I, dude, I'm like, you look at pictures of me when we first got married, there's some stuff on my social media. It's like, that guy looked like a bozo. Yeah. And, and like, it's okay now as you age like to come into your own kid. and and like continue to mature and get better yeah. and not just embrace the fact that like well it was a good ride my yeah. 20s are over well, now it's what downhill slide. That's what I'm talking about accepting it. Yeah. I think a lot of people just accept it because it allows them to opt out of the work. Yep. You know, you're talking about the work, the work, the work. We're big on the work, you know, and you know that cuz we follow each other. But like yep. and I think that's why we vibe so good is cuz we have the same core beliefs. Yep. But dude, by saying, oh, I'm 40, oh, I'm 35, oh, I'm pregnant, oh, I'm this, it allows you to opt out of the shit that's hard, which yeah. is what's hard. What's hard? Eating healthy is hard. Drinking a gallon of water is hard for most people. We've drank a fucking five gallons of water <laughs> sitting here. <laughs> Dude, we sat here for three hours before, and now we're all keep having to go pee. Yeah, we've had multiple water breaks. Bottles. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it, just total like side note. Yeah. Do you piss more in the winter than in the summertime? Well, I know this. I I'm feel a, like it. I pee outside. It's because you're not sweating, right? No, dude. I think what it is, I think we're going to talk some redneck talk here because I think in the summertime, I'm, I pee outside nah, more. That's true. So that's it doesn't true. count as much. Yeah. Like, so I yeah. don't go I to the, the bathroom as much. Yeah. yeah. So like, you don't think it's as much. In the winter, you're constantly going to the bathroom because you don't go pee outside. Dude, I'm so glad I'm not the only cold. one that pees out. Like when I go oh. check the mail at night, I put the garbage can out. It's so much easier just to stop in the Bro. bush. Like we, nobody wants to flush or clean. Bush, like, I just piss in the fucking yard. Yeah, whatever it is. Just go. Like, dude, I remember when I was turned 25, I'll never 
never forget this. When on my 25th birthday, dad, I was living in Springfield, Missouri, and dad came down to to visit. And I had just bought that silver Dodge Ram. Remember that? Oh yeah. And I thought that thing was the coolest thing ever. It, it was. was. It was cool. Yeah. Like I had just, it was like my first truck. I yeah. really bought on my own, built it on my own. And uh dude, me and dad went to this place uh called uh the upper deck for for my 25th birthday. And I think Halsey was with us too. And dude, my dad <laughs> We, my dad was, my dad had to pee and my dad will pee anywhere. He like, he's old school. Like it doesn't matter where he's going to pee. Yeah. All right. So he starts, I have the truck running and there's, I'm parked in the parking lot and he's right as he starts to pee. I drive off. Cause you know, like once you start peeing, you can't stop. No. <laughs> so Especially dude, after you've been drinking. Dude, yep. he's fucking standing in the middle of a lot, trying to catch the truck as he's peeing. Oh, and, like wobbling <laughs> sideways. Dude, dude, it was the funniest. I'll never forget that. Like, no. you know how like you have like, maybe yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, yeah. key memories of right. life it's one yeah. of them one of them was driving off when my dad was trying to pee on the tire of my truck <laughs> yeah no, no dude that's that's funny because my dad had a stroke when i got home from my mission and this was like when he was getting ready to, to pass away and same thing happened but when you have a stroke you lose one side of your body like when it's a bad stroke he lost the left side of his body so we were at a uh a state line casino i think down in prim nevada and he loved he dude he could not go through there without getting shrimp cocktails like ever since i was like one or two years old we would stop and we'd get shrimp cocktails and it, dude it wasn't like <laughs> I'm not like talking tradition. It, it was a tradition. Yeah. And it was just, we'd sit there and get our shrimp. And to me, I thought like you couldn't go through Prim Nevada without getting shrimp cocktails. So anyways, uh, this is when I'm 21 and he's, he's just kind of getting sick and he's pissing behind the car one day and I do the exact same thing, but picture a guy with a stroke that can't move the left side of his body. So he's like dragging his left leg to the parking lot, pissing all over the place, dude. Like you're dude. right. That's one of those memories. It's like in color. It's not yeah. going anywhere. No. It's there for life. Yeah. So. Question. Do you go, when you go through Prim Nevada, do you get shrimp cocktail now? Hell yeah, dude. And That's I still awesome. love shrimp cocktails. I was and my, and my wife now it's like a family thing. Like she can't go to Costco without getting a big thing of shrimp with the, you know, the dipping sauce That's because great. dude, I don't know what it is, man. My dad just like, yeah, there's things that stick with you from oh, your yeah. childhood that yeah. like Dude, you feel like every I'll tell family you yours i know what his is it's pretzels that's right soft oh, pretzels yeah, yeah. it is so my dad when we were when we were growing up uh out here on the street corners in st louis dudes on saturdays dudes will sell uh hot pretzels out of like paper bags yep. like you pull up you pay five bucks or two bucks or whatever you get like three or four pretzels so that was like one of the things he always did with me and sal was like we would play soccer uh, and then we would go and get one of these bags of pretzels. We always had to go to his work. My, no matter yeah. what we did on Saturday, we always went to my dad's work. Yeah. Like, that was it. After, we, we would go to soccer, then we would go to soccer, work. Soccer, yeah. he would go check in, he'd do his it, shit, yeah. and I'd run around the warehouse, yeah. drive the tow motor, fuck something up. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's very, it. you know what's funny is it's very similar how Enzo's growing up. That's, well, I yeah. mean, so when you're starting to allude to this, like, yeah. it's so it's weird because like we would go to his thing and we learned how to drive the forklift yeah. and all the shit when we were little kids him and i have always driven equipment just yep. like you guys yeah and uh it's my favorite thing to do and his too we used to call him bobcat sal and which is, funny, <laughs> which is funny my son's obsessed with a bobcat so the, is he really the, that's what Sal's he wants to drive was bobcat sal because dude if there was like a stick in his yard and he wanted to pick it up he wouldn't go pick up the stick he would go get the bobcat dude, to do it dude we need to put together some sort of like bobcat like olympics, olympics. Yeah, olympics exactly like some sort of we competition like, dude we, we, we should do that we talked about this with rob we bailey we actually did it at rob bailey's we thing. were to trying rob, to put a four-wheeler so you guys are friends with rob <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we went up to rob's headquarters a few years ago and we started talking about this idea of bobcat olympics dude he'd be in on it too because he's into this shit too dude he's i am down i am yeah. so down for that we just no, put together like one did he yeah you just build a gauntlet, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just build something where but you have to start at point A 
And to get to point B, you have to move It'd X amount like of dirt. It'd be like American Ninja Warrior, but in a bobcat. Dude, I'm so in. Like, I mean, dude, that too. fucking episode like, we're this, going. This is no. happening. This is no. happening. Let's like, this do, is this is dude, 100% we should happening. Do this, we should fucking do an, uh, like either an episode yep, on your done. show or a YouTube show. Because, dude, and then you just Why don't we just do it on people. Saturday? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. Dude, I'm but fucking in, I, too. Dude, I would, I would do that bobcat in a Bobcat Olympics. You know there's all these dudes listening that actually do it for a living? Listen, oh, if dude, you do it for a living, you're not invited. I'm telling you, like, guys who operate equipment online are the biggest divas oh yeah. bro if you if I, i'll post oh, yeah. a picture of I, I posted a picture of my bobcat the other day my skid loader dude it's and like, i said i called it a compact track loader and people were like that's the technical name yeah. compact dude so many dudes were like well it's bro it's, regional, it's, it's a skid steer it's regional, it's a, it depends on where you live it doesn't yeah exactly yeah. it's a bobcat when i grew up it was yeah, a, bobcat, it's a bobcat and then it became yeah. a skid loader yeah and now to me it's a skidster that's yeah. all it is it's a skidster so because yeah, the bobcats no matter what it here was in missouri, missouri it's not in missouri it doesn't matter what brand it is. It could be New Holland. It could be Cat. It could be John Deere. It's a fucking Bobcat. I didn't even know Bobcat was a brand until I was <laughs> like 20. Like people, <laughs> I thought that's what they called that style of yes, machine. It was yes, like a Bobcat. Exactly. So yeah. like, you know how people in other areas call, like there's where you go certain places in the United States, they call all soft drinks Cokes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Everything's a yeah. Coke. Or it's a soda yeah. or it's a yeah. pop. Yeah. And, yeah, pop. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. that's how it is with Bobcats here. Like you could be, <laughs> you could be driving a fucking John Deere. It's a bobcat. All right, two things. There's a guy online. It's Black Sheep Skid. You got? Do you guys see this guy on Amazon TV? Black Sheep Skid. Black Sheep Skid. This dude. Okay, he's got his little own Amazon YouTube channel that comes in, and my son is obsessed with bobcats. So it's Black Sheep Skid. This dude can run a fucking piece of equipment. Oh uh, like yeah, nothing. I've seen this guy. He actually loads like a load on two wheels, you and know? he balances it on a log and stuff like yeah, that. But yeah, but I mean, like see the guy that climbs in the back of the truck, yeah, back out of yep. the back yes. of the truck. Yep. No, yeah. tra- you know, no trailer just loads up on yeah, a flatbed, yeah. sets it in. But he could be like the he could be the moderator of Skid Steer Olympics. I love it, dude. You know? <laughs> this is happening. Like I, you guys, you, this like Vaughn, you saw this. They're all signed up for this. We're all set up for Bobcat Olympics. Like, uh, I, the, I, nobody's backing out. Oh, I'm, hey, I'm notarizing. I'm yeah, I want Vaughn real. My son is coming, so we're gonna have to figure that out. Yeah, I got my boy there, so we. Uh, I think this is good. Um, so, but here's the deal: I can also see Vaughn's eye twitching a little bit. I think because we're getting a little off track from what we were talking about, right? <laughs> no, uh, but I, a I, little bit. But you know, that's the that's the beauty of this podcast. You know. So wait, 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 wait. So I've been meaning to say this for a second, and and I because I couldn't get over my head, Dave and Dave, and then hearing your hearing like whenever you were excavating and you guys were doing you know like odds and ends job. That, that's what Andrew and I grew up pouring concrete. We yeah. did foundations, and I did flat work. Whenever I first got into sales, I would. Very Gru- similar when he was telling that story about them pouring pads. Yeah. I was thinking like, dude, that's the same shit we did. Yep. It's exactly the same thing. I sold copiers. I would literally get in a suit and tie. I would go to work. We had a 7.30 sales meeting. I would leave it. 8.15, I would go I would go do flat work all day and I would come back because we had to check in by four. And I would put my suit, I would, a lot of times I'd shower at the customer's house. I'd be like, hey man, can I shower here? Are you That's cool? Awesome. And I would go back and we'd knock it out. We had to yeah. figure out how to get it done. But I couldn't help when you were talking about when, you know, you guys tore the fuck out of that, out of that boom. Mm-hmm. Tristan, his name is not Dave. You are Tristan from Legends of the Fall. All right. You got that uh, beard. Yeah. Yeah. You go to China. You know what I mean. You you go experience life like you did, right. it, man. Okay. So I'm sitting here. So now it's Dave. That means you can't trust him. You can't let him be around your chick. Then I know. Yeah. Not allowed in my to stay Tristan. across from my master bedroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, can't I let him live in my house, house for four years. Son of a bitch. <laughs> There's a reason why your daughter uh, thinks I'm her dad. Yeah, dude. I mean, so that that actually brings us back to where we were with the business. Excavating company buried it. I'm getting married. Dave's wandering the world, and I'm telling you, like. I, every week I'd see him in a new place doing crazy stuff. And that's the beautiful thing about Dave is I love the guy because 
we're very alike, but we're also polar opposites. I'm OCD. All my shit has to be exactly where I put it. And Dave knows this. If he moves mm -hmm. my stuff, dude, he even hears if it looks like it. a fucking mess, I'm, I know. Oh where, the thing is, I just have to know where it's at. I have to know that I was the last person to touch it. So polar opposites that way. But uh, Dave is different uh, than me in the fact that he actually genuinely. I care about people. I really do. But I also care about my time, my agenda, my schedule. I want to be able to just move, move, move. Dave, uh, I've seen Dave break commitments to like best friends because he had three minutes prior uh, committed to a homeless guy that he'd be at his baptism or his wedding or something like, dude, I'm telling mm -hmm. you, like he will make the weirdest stuff, these commitments to people. And he, dude, he will not let you down. He's the most loyal bastard you've ever met in your entire life. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's listening to this that knows Dave knows that it is so much so that it's almost to a fault sometimes where it's like, dude, you don't even know that person. Like you gotta be at my wedding, not that guy's wedding. <laughs> so well, that's why he makes a great but partner. But I told him I'd go. That, yeah. that, by yeah, the I way, said. that's a great name for a memoir, a great title for a memoir, what Loyal is? Bastard. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, that is what's gonna go on his headstone. Loyal yeah, Bastard. That's great. So, so, book. Uh, yeah. you, you wouldn't fight that, right? No, no that's yeah. fine. Well, Tristan, <laughs> Loyal yeah. Bastard. Yeah. Tr Tristan, the Loyal Bastard. So 2000. 12 rolls around, right? I'd been doing my stuff for Rockwell. Um, and then finally I'm like, all right, I got to break out. I got to do my own thing. I want to, I want to do what we were doing before, which was, uh, not necessarily excavating, but the equipment side of it. Let's buy some equipment, turn around, sell it. So I took all the money I had, which wasn't very much. And I tell the story now, I still wonder if, you know, the FBI is going to investigate me, but I, I did uh, what was basically, I'd go get a car loan and I'd borrow a little bit more than I'd get a good <laughs> deal on the car. I'd borrow 20 grand on the car because that's what it was worth. And the bank knew that. And I'd only pay 10 for the car. So I'd get a little bit of working capital. That was the only way I knew how to get money back, especially when banks weren't loaning money to people. So I, I scoured up maybe 15 grand, something like that. And I went out and got my dealer license. I got my auction license. I got everything, you know, that I needed to be able to go buy and sell cars and trucks. And I just started going to the auction, buying one car at a time. And uh, my motto has always been, there's a butt for every seat, which means I don't have to go buy the Honda Accords and the Toyota Corollas, which are really good selling vehicles, but everybody else is buying them. Let's go find the weird shit. Let's find the stuff that falls through the cracks. So at the auctions, I would buy the old, the bucket truck that the power company uh, returned on lease. And mm. I'd buy it for two or three grand because none of the other dealers knew what to do with it. I turn around and sell it for like eight, 10 grand killing it. I'm making huge margins. And so one day I get this bright idea that, uh, we want so in Utah, there's a whole culture of door to door knocking sales, right? Uh, you know, Vivint, all these alarm companies, pest control, everybody's a door knocker. So I thought if we can take that idea and mix it with uh, car sales, I think we might be onto something. So what we wanted to do was go knock on doors, buy people's junk cars and either wholesale them through the auction or sell them to the public. Well, what you did was you went and bought a tow truck. Yep. Yep. And it couldn't have come at a better time because I was running pretty low on cash and I was in the middle of China. And I leveraged everything I had to buy this pile of shit tow truck. Sent him a picture. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> he emailed me a picture of this. He said, hey, you ready to make some more money? And I got on the next flight home. Dude, it was honestly, it had the feel of like, we're getting the band back together. You know what I mean? I got an idea, bro, come home. Let's go buy some shit cars and just sell them. So dude, he came home. Like I think it was, it was like the next day he was there jump in the tow truck. We go to this kind of a rundown area by us. Um, and we start knocking on doors and we see junk cars on the side of your house. And we say, well, do you want to, you want to sell that? And, uh, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very good business model oh, because one, one or two reactions, either they were pumped, they were getting rid of their junk. Or they were offended that you only offered them 500 bucks for their treasure. Yeah. I know what I got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it turns out no people are attached to their junk. 
I'm like, assuming this is on the west side. This is definitely <laughs> on the west side. <laughs> of the highway. There's, there's no vehicle stored outside on the east side. Like, dude, that's so, all I can think of is that saying that people use on like Craigslist. No lowball offers. I know what I got. Yeah, yep. like but, but there's also money. like if you knock on enough doors, you'll bring home two or three vehicles a day, and we'd buy them for 500 bucks and sell them for 2,500. And I thought that I was on to like the next big business model, like <laughs> buy vehicles that are junk off the street, turn around and resell them, and. Maybe it could have worked. Maybe it wouldn't have. Um, but that's what we started doing. And after a while, we kind of got tired of, you know, dealing with junk. And so we started, you know, buying some of these trucks. And I remember in 2012, we bought a mega cab Dodge. And I knew guys that had stretched the frames on those. And they make a mega cab a long bed because they don't do that from the factory. And I thought we can do that. So we, we bought this truck at the auction. It was 25 grand and brought it to the shop. And I had a couple of Mexican mechanics that worked with me. They were my very first employees. They're still with me to today, mm -hmm. uh, like best guys in the world. Oh, yeah. And they just, they just said, all right, we'll figure it out. So we cut this truck in half and <laughs> we put the frame extension in and we welded it back together. And the truck, the wheelbase was off by like two inches. One side was shorter than the other. And the truck was like driving a banana down the road. <laughs> so we, we pull it back in the shop and we cut it, weld it, splice it together again. Dude, it freaking again fight, 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 finally figure it out. And that was how we begin like our career of buying trucks, chopping them to pieces, modifying them and selling them. And, uh, the real magic to all this was in, it was October, 2012. I remember very clearly, this was back when Facebook, remember like when Facebook didn't really throttle anything back, they like, didn't know what they yeah, had. No algorithm. You, you right. could put something out there and it would go viral for no reason at all. Right. So we put these trucks out there. That and was the fucking best time of social those, media. Dude, by those the way. were the glory days. Yeah. Like that, that's how we started our business. So Diesel yeah. Dave would go buy a truck at an auction. He'd drive it home. He'd take a video of himself, like driving it, and like he just you know slept at a truck uh, stop. His hair was all goofy. He'd send me a video, and I'd laugh and show my wife. And then one day I'd like, I should post this online and just see, you know, see what my friends think. I posted it. And all of a sudden these videos, I start posting a diesel Dave, just being himself, dude, they start getting like hundreds of thousands of hits on hmm. some of the, the pages that we'd built to be able to sell the trucks. And so Facebook really, really just kind of let us get away with whatever we wanted for five, six, seven months, uh, all the way through the first part of 2013. And we had dude by April of 2013, we had like probably half a million followers on Facebook and we're like we're not doing anything to monetize this. Like maybe every once in a while we'd advertise a truck for sale, sell a truck. So I'm like, we got to figure out a way to monetize these eyeballs. We have so much traffic. And so somebody one day was like, Hey, you should raffle a truck off. So I'm like, that's a great idea. I look into raffle laws. Turns out that's not, that's like, you cannot raffle for profit. It, it's a, it's, it's a big, like, nightmare business. So I started looking to sweepstakes, like sell a tangible product, you know, no purchase necessary if you want to enter. So not knowing anything about the sweepstakes model, we went in and just went all in with a, like a $60,000 truck said, we're giving it away. If we sell enough product, great. If not, then we are still committed to giving it away. Cause we had to get bonded in New York and Florida. Like if you don't give it away, the attorney general's putting you in jail. Wow. So we're like, all right, let's figure it out. April, 2013, that launches, um, August of 2013, that giveaway ends. And we had done like $450,000 in sales of product that we didn't have. We started by selling wristbands because we had to have just, I, I didn't care about the product I was trying to sell. I was just no, trying to, to just sell something, sell something for the sweepstakes. But then right. people were like, well, anything else besides wristbands? We're like, yeah, here's a t-shirt. And so <laughs> we went and knocked <laughs> off like a Jack Daniels t-shirt and got a cease and desist the next day. We like, huh. dude, huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, like everybody's been there. Right? Like, oh, dude. <laughs> Dude, so <laughs> you, I'm, I'm pleading the fifth. Yeah, yeah probably smart. Oh, we got Harley too. Yeah, yeah we, got dude, I've had a season desist. Like until you've had like 
15, 20 seasons assist, you're not doing something right. No. Like you got you yeah. to get them all. You're so, not too close to who they are. Exactly. <laughs> so we started getting that stuff and we started, you know, selling merchandise like crazy. And uh, our social media was going bigger than ever. The videos we were posting were, were taking off. And we finally, we did an April Fool's prank where Dave basically took the exhaust from a truck routed it in through a bathroom window and we, we floored the truck and that truck blew a lot of smoke back then. This is back when we were a little more reckless about who saw what smoke and stuff like that. Now we're more careful a, because I actually believe in clean diesel performance and B because it was regulated, like heavily regulated. Um, but this video went viral. I'm talking like a million hits overnight. Well, it went and viral because our friend Johnny was in the bathroom that I was smoking. That's out. true. Yeah. So the, the other part of the video is the guy was in there taking the dump. It was Dave a perfectly white out. bathroom too. And it was All the best white. April Fool's prank you've ever seen. You got to watch it. It's, I think it's diesel Dave rolls coal in the bathroom is the name of it. Um, and this guy comes out covered in smoke. Video takes off as a huge hit. Jay Leno calls us and says, I want you to be on my show. And we're like, what the hell? Like, okay, yeah. So it was one of his last episodes. Jay had us down. Super dude, awesome that is guy. Awesome. Dude, yeah, one of the coolest cool guys dude. in the world. Because yeah. you know cool Jay's dude. a motorhead, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. just a good, genuine guy. He thought it was on a segment that he had uh, that was called Prank You Very Much. And he had us come down and he, he we were guests on Prank You Very Much. And from there, like, literally the next day, our phone started ringing. Discovery producers, all these types of different producers wanted to do a mm -hmm. TV show about us. And, and we said, no. We're like, no, no, no. We thought it was the guy at the mall with the card that said, I'm going to make you a model. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 we right. thought it was like those guys. And so we thought it was a total scam. Uh, pushed him back forever until finally the Discover, like, the uh, head of the network, a Discovery basically called us and was like, hey, guys, like, quit giving us the runaround. We are the network. We're going to buy a show. We promise you X amount of episodes and we're going to do this. And that's when we were like, all right, let's give it a shot. Yeah. And we filmed our pilot in uh, 2014 and then started filming our full season in 2015 and never stopped. They just yeah. continue to order episode after episode after episode. I think uh, we're rolling into what's called like season five to the viewers, but to us it's, it's called internally, it's called season two. Um, and the ratings were good, man. We, we were, uh, and the readings were good because we're us. Dude, mm -hmm. that's, uh, <clears throat> I think that's, I think that's going to be the most valuable takeaway from anybody that's listening to this. Like, we're going to sit here and talk about a bunch of shit for a while. But the most valuable takeaway is this. Be yourself. 100%. And there's going to, like you it's said, there's a way. butt for every seat. Mm -hmm. There's also a person to identify with whoever it is you are right now. You know what I mean? They're yeah. going to relate. Mm -hmm. They're going to, and I think that's the problem with social media right now is you have people that are in, I know it's the problem with social media. They inauthentically trying to present themselves as something that they think people will like when the reality is, is if you're just yourself, they'll like you more. There's people because they could sense it and they're going to like you a lot more. Here's what people don't understand it's okay to take good characteristics from people that you look up to yeah. and implement them in your own life, but it doesn't mean you have to be that person. I love your podcast. I love what you do, but I'm never going to be Andy Frazella. Like, no. that's just not right. me. Yeah. That's right. I, I'm, I'm who I am, but I definitely take some. I don't piss on the toilet seat anymore. I'll tell you yeah. that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, there's, there's things like, like go find somebody who's successful. If you admire that person, watch what they do. Yeah. Learn from, from what they do and but, literally implement those things into your life. But maintain your, who, who you are. Right. We were just right. talking about that before we got started. Yeah. It's the quirks about you that people love. Yeah. Like the things that you probably hate the most about you. Don't be surprised if that's what somebody loves the most about you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like right. my wife probably loves things about me that I, that I hate. Yeah. And that's why it's hard for guys like us to watch our own TV shows or watch, you know, listen to our own podcasts yeah. because you're your biggest critic when sometimes you just need to sit back let it happen and let it happen yeah because natural shows mm -hmm. like it just it's very obvious when you're being yourself yeah. versus being somebody that you think you should be or somebody that somebody else wants you to be the way i put it is um integrate don't imitate like take what you want from different people bring it into your brand but don't 
completely copy somebody else. hundred no, percent. Yeah. I think that's, that's phenomenal. And you know, people look at us as the truck guys. We're way more than the truck guys. We are the dudes. Oh, I don't think that. I, I think that that's what gets them in. Yeah. I think what keeps them is who you are in yep. terms of, personally, I think it's the family values aspect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and we, we do, I mean, D- Diesel Dave just had a second baby. I've got three kids. My wife wants another yeah. one now. Um, dude, we but go it's through- doing the right thing. It's, it, it, dude, it's all the things that we talk about on the show. You guys embody that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah. like, uh, like when you, what you did for, uh, uh, what, what was his name? Jose Caballero. Jose. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where I want to go with this is success is awesome, man. Be Having the nice cars, you know it, dude. Yeah, yeah. Going to cool places, doing the cool things, that is fun. But dude, that, that all has a ceiling. At mm-hmm. some point, you're going to do stuff that's so cool that it's just all the same. That's right. But what doesn't have a ceiling and what doesn't have a limit is the joy you get from helping Others. other people. Yeah, impacting them, changing There's them. There's no bottom. Yeah. There's, There's no, no bottom to that. Like you could literally and it just, never gets old. It never gets old and every time it becomes more gratifying. So, man, I I tell people like this, I put it in a weird way sometimes. I say sometimes I help people out of selfish motives because it it it, it like it, mm-hmm. it feels selfish because I know I'm getting something out of it, but that's okay. Yeah. Dude, every okay. giving action has starts with a selfish motive. Yep. Every yeah. single time you give, like and it's it's okay. That's what you got to understand. It's like, it makes you feel good. It should make you feel good. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. people, people try to judge on that and they try to say, well, the only reason you're doing that is because it makes you feel good. So what? Good shit's happening. So yeah, well, the Jose Caballero yeah. thing, right? We posted it online and I had a lot of people, not as many as I thought I would, but I had people say, why are you posting about this? Why are you telling people about this? And because it's awesome. Because yeah, a, because it's something that I enjoy. And if you follow my page, you'll see that I only post shit that I actually yeah. authentically enjoy. So if you don't like that, go somewhere else. But B, I did it because the ripple effect from that yes. was- it inspires bro, other people to do It was mind-blowing. Yeah. I had comments, messages, DMs. I had literally pictures and videos of, of kids driving down the road that were like, I, man, I was just going to work and I was just going to go straight to work and not think about anything else. But I saw this family, they needed a ride, they had a blown out tire. I stopped, fixed their tire, took them where they needed to go. And it was because I liked the way that I felt when I saw what happened with Jose and his family. Mm-hmm. And so- yeah, you're going to see high profile people post about doing good because guess good. what? There's not, as- I'm not bragging. There's another aspect to that though too. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you what that is. And you may be familiar with this at this point or not, but <clears throat> if you don't post that shit and you're, you're doing well financially, if you don't say or do or show people what you do, they assume you don't right. and they assume you're greedy. So it's like you lose either way. Yep. So I would choose and I do choose. And so do you to show those stories because not only does it show that, hey, yes, I'm actually doing things with my success, but B, like you said, it inspires right. people to do people more good things. Well, it's mm-hmm. kind of like what we were talking about. You're setting the example for who that person should become. If they admire who you are and your core values, now you're raising a bar. Like, hey, go out and help other people. Dude, like it or not, when you become a public figure or a high-profile person, you are setting an example. And you're going to be a shithead and just a total piece of garbage and not help anybody. Or you're going to do the opposite and you're going to like inspire people and motivate like you guys do. You guys reach out and you find opportunities Mm -hmm. to help people. I I sent Andy this text the other night. I said, what you guys are doing with the podcast is literally changing the course of history. And that may sound like a big, bold statement, but it is. People are going to look back at this in 10, 15, 20, 100 years from now. and, And this is going to be in the history books of somebody that came out and did something so great and so selfless and you guys don't realize the impact that you're making you are changing dude i am let's put it this way 
I'm successful. I've got everything that I want in my life right now. I'm doing well. I don't need to listen to anybody, but there's a reason why I listen. I like, I'm hungry for every single episode of this because what you guys are talking about is not just your, you know, rah, rah, become a better person type stuff. It's not your get rich quick. It's real shit that I think we all think, but sometimes we're not able to articulate into words. And that's what Andy, you're really good at you. Mm -hmm. That's why when I tell people like, Listen to Andy Frazella. Here's my disclaimer. You're going to feel a little bit like taken back at first. You're not going to know how to understand him or take him. But the reason why is because he is not, you're not making shit up. And there's a reason why there's a delay when Andy responds to a question. It's because he's actually thinking about it. He's not on autopilot saying. Right. It's not auto response. No, it's not. And, and you can tell that's the beautiful part about it is because you're getting an authentic answer. You're getting real thought and real care. So I just got to applaud you guys on that. Like you are literally changing the course of history because there's millions of people that are listening. There's a reason you're number one for a reason. And I'm telling you, even if just 1% of those people that are listening are implementing what you guys are teaching, think about the swing that you're, that you're, that you're changing. Like you are implementing this huge, like, uh, like course correction in our society for people that, Dude, they're good people. They just lack the ability to think this stuff for themselves. I think a lot of those people, first of all, I, dude, it, I, like I told you in via text, I mean, that's, I'm super honored to hear that, especially from someone like you. Um, but I think it's not socially acceptable to think or say or do some of the things that we talk about here because it's just not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, um, making a show or, or talking about, you know, your guys's religion, you know, like, uh, I was watching, we were talking about ghost adventures. Like yep. everybody knows I like ghost adventures. There's another show on, uh, like called ghost hunters live or something. The whole show is live yeah. and it's on like right after ghost adventures. But the, uh, the guys at the beginning of the show always pray. And I was watching it the other night and I, and I said to Emily, I said, you know, I think it's really cool that they show that on the, on the show. Cause they huddle around, they do a little prayer and then they go do their thing. And that's not cool anymore. You know what I mean? It's yep. not cool to show those kind of things. And I just applaud those guys and you guys for like, you know, being um, vocal about like, you know, being a Mormon and your beliefs and things like that. Because, dude, you know what? I'm not a Mormon, but I appreciate the fact that you guys have beliefs and, and those beliefs are at the core good. Dude, talk about beliefs for a second, though, because this is something that has hit me hard lately. Beliefs can be whatever you want them to be. And beliefs can be used for good or for bad. You guys remember like uh, the, all the cults back in the nineties. Remember like they believed something and right. they went and did it. And they all went and killed themselves and right. they went and did crazy, horrible shit. You talk about the the school shootings and some of the stuff that's happening now. Right. If you believe something, belief is powerful, man. Very, it's it's going to make you do something. So yes. check yourself and check what you believe. And if you don't, I, I think the most dangerous thing is not believing anything at all Yeah. because you don't do anything. Right. You literally don't do anything. And then you're influenced by just whatever comes your way. Right. Anything that comes your direction, you need a cause, you need a purpose. And so you got to latch onto whatever it is. You need to take a step back and take a look at what do I actually believe? And start with, do I believe that there's a God? Yes or no? I don't care what your answer is. Mm-hmm. Move on to your next one. Chocolate or vanilla. Exactly. Do I believe <laughs> that I'm chocolate or vanilla? Man. I don't yeah. care what it is. <laughs> Find a belief, latch onto it, but you need to watch as you go down that path what are you believing in? Right. Is it, is it good? Question. good? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a gray area, right? Like what's good, what's bad. Right. I'll tell you this. If what you believe in is going to make somebody else's life better, it's good. Right. It's, it's, it's something you should latch onto and hang on to for dear life. Right. If what you believe in 
it could potentially affect somebody in a negative way, then you need to check that. Right. Like you really need to hang on to that because man, beliefs like I believe in God. I believe that there's life after this. I believe in spirits. I believe in ghosts. I believe in, you know, the gospel principles that we've been taught in our church. And dude, that, that is powerful. That has caused me to say no in situations where it would have been really easy to say yes. And things like that have saved my marriage. They've saved me from making poor business decisions. Like grab onto the belief because like, you know, it's, you guys have heard like faith of a mustard seed, right? Like you've Mm -hmm. seen a mustard seed. They're like microscopic, Mm -hmm. tiny. You put that in the ground, you start you growing it. Mustard plants are huge. Like it starts right. as something very small. So you need to be watching and observing what's happening in your head. What you're planning. What you're, exactly yeah. what you're planning because that's going to grow and it's, it's not, it's not going to grow slow. Like this happens quickly and it happens when you least suspect it. Like next thing you know, you're 25, 30 years old and you've got some, you've got some stuff that you planted years ago that is either good or bad. And it's so, not allowing you to progress. Exactly. We, so we talked about this just a minute ago with the new, new 40, the reason a lot of people are accepting, you know, oh, I'm 35 or oh, I'm 30 or oh, I'm 40. And my, I, my life is what it is, is because their belief is that once your time is spent there, you are who you are. You can't change. You can't progress. I'm too old. I might as well just take what life's given me and be this when this is unfulfilling it's not producing good. It's not providing a good ripple effect for the people around you. It's not providing for the people around you. And you're just saying, well, and it becomes a victim. Now those same people are, because they can't draw the line that I believed that my life was over when I was 40 years old. So the rest of my life isn't my fault. And then that's where you have the bitterness, you have the regret, you have people who are saying, well, you know, life screwed me and things like that. And dude, it becomes a total shit show if you don't take control of what it is that you're buying into. So I'm a very visual person. Uh, Everything I do has to have, like I I have a a photographic memory. When I think of things and I remember things that I've seen there, it's, it's a picture of it in my head and I compartmentalize things um, in, in different areas in my head by images. So when I remember something, I go back, dig through the file cabinet, pull up that image. And I say, that's, that's what that is. So that's a unique, you know, um, talent that I think I have that not everybody has, but I think everybody has to have some sort of starting point or some sort of like, uh, action. Okay. And what I, where I'm going with this is when I listen to your podcast, I love it because a lot of times I'll take away from it something that I actually can do tomorrow. And I know you're not huge on affirmations and, and stuff like that. Have you ever done a vision board? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah, everybody dollar, guys. I make everybody here do it. Yeah. So vision boards are, are pretty wild, right? Like, powerful, man. Man, I got to show you, I got to text you a picture of my vision board because yeah. I made it, I made it seven, eight years ago when I thought some of this shit was like Dude, harebrained. Like I kept my vision board from seven, eight years ago yeah. and it, I literally every fucking thing on it I have. Dude, that's a, I'm, I'm the same way, bro. With the like, exception of the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. I don't own the Cardinals yet. But that's the best part about yeah. the vision board is yeah. because- it's never going. It, it's never intended to be just one and done. You got to add to that shit. Right. And I'll tell you what. Check one like, off, add one on. I'm going to give you guys a warning. Anybody who's listening to this and you're going to be like attain success, the hardest part about becoming successful is making it. Yeah. It's like once you get there because uh, your drive, your motivation is different now because you don't have that hunger that you used to have because- you start to get a little bit complacent. That's why those goals got to be big, man, big, You have big, to man. set goals. You have to constantly remind yourself of what do I want? Where am I going? Where, like, keep yourself in check. Dude, I think it's the reason why most people fail ultimately because they get some success and then they're like, fuck, I made it. And they stop working. They stop 
yep. being hungry. They stopped doing the things that got them where they are. Yeah, we're talking about LeBron the and other day. And it falls apart. Similar with LeBron, right? Like yeah. he's, why does he have to try harder? Yeah. Because he's already kicking ass. Yeah. Like he could potentially be the greatest of all time. Yeah. But he just kind of went to like just idle a yeah. little bit and he's just kind of yeah. maintaining. So it's, that he is like the most dangerous. Yesterday. He came out and said that uh, yesterday in really? a tweet or a couple tweets or the press somehow. He was talking about how earlier in the year he almost cracked and he needs to get refocused. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I give him kudos for, for, for checking himself right. and being real about it. Like, dude, to say that publicly, that's a, that takes a man. But that's why I'm telling you. It takes a man to say, hey, you know what? I've been not doing what I could be doing. Yep. You I think what? the only escape from that mentality, and this might just be me, but the only escape from the I've made it, there's nothing else, is charity. It's starting to think about other people. It's starting to actually like figure out how much of a difference you can make outside of your own environment. Yeah. Like, and that's why helping people is so gratifying because it is the one drug that's more satisfying than success. I think that there's two therapies to that. I think that a yes, charity we're Sal and I are both huge and our whole company and our whole following, all you guys listening, all of us believe in that. It's just a core belief of what we do. I think the other thing is to make sure that your goals are forever expanding because a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, dude, you know, I will never call myself successful. And because I know the minute I do, I'm going to get lazy. So people are like, oh, dude, you've got it all. How do you stay motivated? I don't have it all. I look at people like fucking in the history of earth, like as far as the best ever, like, like I said a minute ago, like I compare myself to the rock. I compare myself to, uh, you know, guys who are on billionaire level, you know what I mean? Financially, uh, in every area of life, how I compare myself is not against my friend, Tommy from high school. I compare myself against the best, the best in every area. Like I want to be as good of a dude, as charismatic, as in good shape as the rock. I want to be as successful as Bezos, as crazy as that sounds. That's how I compare myself. And when you compare yourself against that, you've always got work to do. You got a long ways to go. Yeah. Exactly. We were talking about that. You guys are the number one podcast like in the world. Where do you go from there? Yeah. Well, well I mean, Howard Stern needs to be, you know, I yeah. mean, he's doing all right. Like yep. there's guys out there who are doing it bigger, better. You know, Joe Rogan's got a much bigger podcast. There's a lot of work to be done. But I mean, success can mean a lot of different things, right? Like we talk about success, you know, and, and I think the young guy who's listening to 25, 26, 27 year old, they think success is money. And, then, and, and I was there too, right? Like you always chase that dollar and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with chasing a dollar. But I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I think kids came into my life at the right time because it forced me to double down on work because now I have something to go to work for, a reason to go to work. But then I have this kind of like in the back of my brain, this, I always tell my guys, it's not how much money I make or what the bottom line revenue now, or what the top line revenue dollar is. It's when I die, what are they going to say about me? Like when I die, who have I impacted? How have I changed? How have I helped? And I think, and I know this about just, you know, for the last hour or two hours of, of knowing you guys, like that gets deep when you start having them kids, man. Like that mm -hmm. gets deep and it gives you a different uh, level. You get, you, yeah. You get a different motivation, a different like purpose, a different man. Like my world does not revolve around me anymore. It revolves around my kids. It revolves yeah. around like watching my little boy, like do things that I do like, I created that guy and there's parts of me in him and now I'm seeing them. So I'm able, it's like looking in a mirror that you can, you can kind of like 
tweak and mold bit. exactly yeah. and, and say, I didn't like when I was little and I did this. So I can kind of tweak you, you know, push you that direction, man. It is the most gratifying thing in the world. Like it is it's magic. Yeah. I mean, who can just create, mm-hmm. the, but there's know, like a narcissistic twist to it, which comes back to like the charity giving me, you know, like mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, I'm doing it. Well, that's like part me. So I'm going to like, make sure that I give it the right. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> if you're making yourself a better person, you're focused on yourself and narcissistic or however you want to call it. If you're making yourself a better person, you're also making the lives of your family better because you're happier, you're more motivated, you're radiating this positive energy that that's why I look at, at what I do and I want as much success as I can possibly have because I know that it's going to impact my family and my happiness is going to overflow onto them and right. they're going to be happy mm-hmm. naturally because I'm happy. And so I want as much success. I want as much money, as much success as I can get because I want my family to be able to experience that, especially if for some reason, what if, you know, my daughter has low self-esteem growing up or my son, like I need to make sure that I am creating an abundance of that so that just in case, you know, maybe they don't have it for themselves. I want them to be able to get that from dad. Yeah. And so. I, I mean, dude, I think it, it holds for, for me personally, it holds me accountable. Like I always want to, I try to be I try to be the man that I want my son to be, or at least somebody to look up to. You know, when you speak about your dad, like you can see the emotion coming, right? Because you respect that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young men don't have that same, I don't want to say respect for their dad, but that same love. You know, right. it's, a, it's a different, it's a different feeling. I have that for my dad. I know not everybody, and especially like a lot of the young guys that work here, that's, I try to up my game because I know of them, a lot of them, a lot of them did not have a strong fatherly figure. And the thing is, if you don't have a dad, like, that life happens. That's okay. So a lot of people mm-hmm. yeah. go find somebody you can latch on to that has characteristics that you would want in your dad and look up to them, whether it be a mentor, whether it be a podcaster, I don't care who it is, find a way to take good characteristics from people that you look up to. Social. Exactly. Social is huge. It's, you know it's, so, it's so easy these days, dude. All you gotta do is scroll through your phone and say, that guy's doing cool stuff. I want to mm-hmm. be like him. Yeah. Follow mm-hmm. his example. That's right. So right. Vaughn, you guys probably get this all the time on the podcast. People always say, uh, what's you know the one thing you can do to be successful? Or yeah, if you can yeah, only yeah. give one tip, that is such a bullshit question because <laughs> there's no answer to that. There, like the only way to answer that is by sitting at a round table with successful people and having them all tell you like their daily habits and the things that they do. Like right. that is a very intricate question. So I want to try to yeah, touch so you that should do bit. that. <laughs> yeah, I, want, I don't necessarily want to try to answer that question, but I just want to throw out things that. So as I go through my day. I just keep a list of things that make me feel better or mm-hmm. that make me more successful. And I just kind of have this rolling list of things that I know that people are asking this question a lot. And you'll see as we roll forward, uh, we're going to start to do a little bit more kind of personal development type stuff because we influence a lot of people. Our, our viewership of our show is young kids everywhere from you know two-year-old kids all the way up to you know 55-year-old men that like automotive programs on discovery Listen, Channel. motherfucker i've been watching you for two years yeah, two exactly years, i mean that's the thing like we have a viewership a demographic that's bigger than i think we ever realized and so what that means is um with great responsibility you know with with great power reward, comes, and great power yeah. comes great responsibility like, r.i.p stan lee by the way yeah exactly yeah. i know yeah. yeah but i mean i believe very much where where much is given much is required yeah absolutely and so that is kind of our mantra moving forward is not just helping people build badass trucks, which we will always do because we love it, but also share what we have done and and accomplished that really gave us true happiness, not just temporary, like, you know, getting pumped. We'll share that stuff. You'll see that stuff on our social and our TV show, but I want to be able to help kids understand that there's certain things that you can do that kind of like a cheat sheet. You know what I mean? Remember the game genie on your Nintendo used to put that guy on and all of a sudden you'd win every game. Like I want to give them a little bit of a game genie. And so some of the stuff I've written down is, uh, it's very simple stuff. One of the first things that I tell people that, you know, have money problems is take your wallet and go put 
I don't care how much money you have. If you're, if you only have a couple hundred dollars, your name, or if you have a couple million dollars, go take a few hundred dollar bills and put them in your wallet, leave them there. Always carry around a hundred dollar bills between one and 500. That's a good number. Um, if you don't have a lot of money, start with a hundred. But what that does is it starts to create this mentality in your head of you're, you're not afraid of money. You dominate money. It doesn't dominate you. So it's loosely hung in your wallet where if you lost it, I don't care. It's just a hundred bucks. It's just, I, I just keep it on me. And then it also starts to get you in this mentality of looking at your wallet and being like, I got a hundred bucks. Yeah. I got three, four, 500 bucks. You start to think differently. You feel differently. I remember growing up seeing, you know, my dad would only keep like a couple dollars in his wallet because that's just what he did. But then I would look at the guy down the street from me who was like hugely successful and he'd open his wallet to pay me for mowing his lawn and he'd have to sift through the hundreds. And I was always like, man, that guy, like he always had mm. more money. Yeah. He always had like, whether it's just like a, a mental a thing. power over you too. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. So what you do is you, you start to take the power back from the money and just say, I, I, I own you. You don't own me. And just kind of create a little bit of dominance over it. I just, to me, it's, uh, and it's I don't want to take you money. off your list. I want to keep that going, but I, I do want to bring up a great point. I mean, when you chase money, it's because you don't have power over the right. money, yep. you know? And so what happens in, in, and I know this from personal experience, you start to make bad decisions yep. because you're chasing money, not what's but right. Guess what? If you got $500 mm -hmm. bills stuck in your back pocket, you're not, you're not chasing it, but you're mentally changing yourself. Yep. Like how do right. you treat money? That's what I'm telling and you. And that's a great dude. That's a great, uh, somebody taught you that or at some point in time you learned nobody, that. Nobody did. That's the funny thing. A lot of the stuff on my list I've taken from other people and yeah. I've like learned that is one thing that just occurred it's to me one you. day as I was driving, as I went through my wallet and I was like, Oh shit, I got a bunch of cash in here yeah. and it felt good. And then I started to realize like, man, I've always had a lot of cash in here. And ever since I've done that, I've been successful. So it's just one of those things. That's not a magic, you know, no, 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 code to, to, to become yeah. rich, but it is one of those things that I think you'll see more successful people doing. Um, another thing is repel energy thieves. You, you got to realize that energy is, man, it's just like, uh, take a, take a battery or take a, an electric motor. If you take the wires and you connect it to that motor, the motor is going to spin one way. You reverse those wires, the motor's going to spin another way. Energy is just energy. We determine whether it's good or bad energy. Right. And so you can take energy, and if you can tell that it's bad and it's somebody that's trying to like deplete you, look at your life, look at your daily life as your phone battery percentage, right? Like yeah. anywhere from zero to 100%. And then, you know, our phones do these new things where it tells us what consumes our most battery. Uh, Instagram right. is a huge thing that consumes yeah. a lot of you know yeah. phone battery. Not mine. But go <laughs> go go do a, go do an inventory of what your day looked like and realize who took my energy. Was it the guy that was like demanding my time or demanding a meeting that I didn't want to meet with or whatever it was? And start to reprioritize the energy that you give people mm -hmm. because you only have so much. Don't the uh, some of the new. Uh apps tell you actually how much time you you're spending on social media it tells you exactly like yeah. so the new iphone update tells you literally to a t how much percentage of your battery life you used looking at pictures yeah, looking yeah. at like like dumb time it is very specific yeah. there's no reason we can't do that in our own lives conserve your energy well my right. point earlier about bank account and time money like yep. time money investment like time is your most valuable resource right. and how you right. manage it is very important yep. because you only got so you got to sleep yep. right whether right. you sleep a lot or sleep a little it's what you do while you're awake and who's sucking that time because and especially right, as you're sure. climbing the ladder, more and more people start coming out of the work woodworks. They start wanting a little bit more and start asking a little bit more and these people start calling you a little bit more. Yep. And just like you were talking about being on the excavator, they start ringing a little bit more. Yep. You, know, you got to prioritize when and where and how you take and deal with so that. So that takes me to exactly where I'm going next, which is turn off your notifications. Turn off your email notifications right now. If you want success, go to your phone and turn off the damn red icons for your emails. All of mine are off. And, and guess All what? Of them. What, what do you do now? 
you go check emails when you when you're ready. want to. Yeah. When you're in a mental state, because what used to happen to me early in the business, I'd get an email. I'd have to check it because I have a notification because I'm OCD. Mm-hmm. And it would be, you got an upcoming payment due tomorrow on a credit line. And I'm like, shit, cash flow. And I start thinking about all this now stuff. Now you start thinking about and, it. And, right. and it instantly changes the course of your whole day. Right. No, that's guess true. What? Now nobody has power over my day because I'm not letting them. Man, I, okay. Yeah. So a, a guy, one of the, a guy who taught me about sales when I was young and, and copy. So I've read a lot of books. Andrew and I were blessed to be in a, in a sales family. My dad's a great business person, salesperson, but he said, manage your day exactly like that. Like you do not, you structure your day. So from, from 9am to 11am, you make calls from 11 to 1130, you check emails. Yep. You don't check emails at 930. You yep. make calls. Right. And 11, 11.30, you check emails. At yep. 11.30, you want to go to lunch, you go to lunch. 11.30, 12, you manage your time. And when you really start to manage your time, you become very productive. And there's you're going to find energy thieves out there, people that say, I need a response to this by the end of business today. Fuck you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Guess what? I don't work on your schedule. No. If I want to be successful and you want me to be successful and help you, that's right. you're going to work on my schedule. That's I'm not right. going to be irresponsible. I'm not going to get back to you in a week from now. Yeah, I'll meet you I'm halfway. A, exactly. I'll yeah. take the time and give you the response that you need when I'm ready to do it. But if mm-hmm. I stopped what I'm doing right now, especially if you have any sort of ADD like I do, as soon as you start chasing that squirrel, yep. dude, that squirrel takes you to like Nantucket when you're supposed to be in California. Right. Dude, and that's hard for me. And I, I don't, who's the pleaser of you two? Ah, uh, uh, man, that is. What, what are you trying to get? Yeah, not, <laughs> 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 not, not a friend. <laughs> no, but I'm talking about like, this is hard for me because by nature, like I'm a, I'm a helper pleaser. Like I want to help. I want to help everybody. This you know guy. what I mean? I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. And so that. Well, I think it's in all successful people, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, like it's a natural, you want to make a lot of money, learn how to help people. I mean, that's because you're, all you're doing is solving, you're filling that need of help. That's what they need. They need help. Well, they'll pay you to help them. Right. And you learn, that's a character trait you learn. For me, that was like giving my time on their time. Like I, it was hard for me to learn to say the word no. You mentioned right. it earlier. Like no for me was like this big challenging word. So much power in no. And though. dude, it's given me so much freedom and in, in the ability to, to work on my schedule. Like, yep. mm-hmm. no, I, I'm not saying I won't do it. Right. I'm saying I'm, I can't do it that way. Exactly. I'm willing it, to do it this way. Let, let me expand this a little bit more because I think it's I, I, helpful for uh, people who are listening. It's that principle you're talking about, Sal, where you do it, you do it on your time, you do the things you have to do throughout the day. I actually think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize applies to uh, relationships too, oh, yeah. especially marriage. Like, I think... Generally, one person in a relationship, when something needs to be attended to, they want to do it right away, right? Well, I've, I'm, I'm actually a little bit better in terms of the time management with my wife and I, where I, I will say to her, honey, if we have this conversation right now with both of us tired, with all this going on, nothing good is going to come of it. And I think that's like, in, in as we relate to people throughout our lives, that's what we need to realize, that the wrong, the right word spoken at the wrong time is the wrong word. So that, you know? is, that is very hard. I love that. And if, you, if you're married to a logical person or a rational person and you're a rational person, that works really well because you both take a step out of the situation and think, oh man, you're right. Like this is not what we're talking about. I am but being an asshole. <laughs> we're not always either in a rational state of mind or we're married to somebody who's harder to Deal right. with. So my one of my mentors, uh, the founder of Rockwell Watch, his name's Rich Eggett. He taught me something like I think at my wedding, he walked through the wedding line and said, I'm gonna tell you one piece of advice. It's the best piece of advice you'll ever have. Make up or break up. And I was like, What do you mean? He's like, When me and my wife get in a fight, we I just stop and I say, Are we gonna make up or are we gonna break up? Mm-hmm. Because if we're gonna break up, let's start figuring out how to break up and just get this thing, you know, taken care of. If we're gonna make up, then we need to start making that decision and start going down that road and fix it. So it allows you to get out of that limbo zone where it's like, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, and you know, go back and forth. It's, yeah, we're both wrong, that's fine. 
So, but do you want to break up because of this? Are we going to get divorced or are we going to figure this out? So right. in a relationship, man, that's one thing I've learned. My wife hates it when I say it because yeah. she knows like, damn it. Like you're right. Like it's so, it's so logical, <laughs> which is why you're arguing anyway, because she wants to be right and you want to be right. Yeah. And so when you, you drop your little Joker Trump card in yep. there, you're like, now I'm right. Exactly. Can't win. Now <laughs> make up a breakup and, and let's figure this out. And dude, it's, it's done wonders for our relationship because I'll tell you, man, I'm a hard person to be married to. I, I am. My wife has got a one way ticket straight to heaven. Yeah. Talk, talk to my wife. Yeah. I, I'm sure all of ours do. Like, uh, they, but one thing I want to tell you on, on that note is if you are a high performing individual and you work a lot more, meaning more than like the standard, if you're not the guy who's home at five o'clock every night, then you need to figure out ways to compensate for that time lost with your wife. And for me, it's Sundays, man, I give my wife my undivided attention on Sundays. And when we, when I first started doing this, it was very hard for me. I just wanted to like Dude. get a break and get away from the kids and go to the shop and just do something. But I've learned that, man, that recharges my wife for the whole week. If mm-hmm. I give her that one day, what is it, man, by the time I wake up and go to bed to what, 12, 15 hours, whatever it is, it changes the course of our relationship. And it just makes her so much more gratified and makes her feel like I love her. And she tells me all the time, she's yeah. like, thank you for Sundays like this. That's, our, that's what saves our marriage. Yeah. Well, but I mean, yeah, yeah. you got to think, right? Like it's a hell of a lot easier to go to work whenever you're, you got a full, full oh, heart and, and a woman is, you've got your back, right? Mm-hmm. What's, what's, yeah. But your, your, your point is, okay, so uh, we, my kids are real young. I have three kids under two years old and, and you know, so my life gets real hectic. So my wife and I, we have our time. We work out from 5.30 to 6.30 or 7 every single morning. Yep. So my guy, I have an open gym at my house. Like, my guys can come and go as they please. It's it's in a detached garage, so, like, they don't bother me. You know, it's not, you know, you don't come to my house at 5.30 to 6.30. Guys, right. you're not welcome in my house. That's yep. my time with my wife. At night or morning? In the morning. Nice. Don't fucking mm-hmm. work. Don't, don't come in my gym at that time. And guess what? It is okay. It is awesome. And it, you know it, what? We love it. Yep. It's it's our little thing. Like that's when we spend mm-hmm. our time together because we don't have any other time together. Yep. And you know what? That's when we bond. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Dude, I'm telling you, like, make that time, whether it's a workout in the morning or a Sunday afternoon, whatever it is, just make sure that she's getting your undivided attention. They deserve that. And I think there's a lot of guys that are our age that are listening to this. I think that's probably the majority of the listeners is guys that be, you know, between twenty and forty that are yep. trying to like figure out what's mm-hmm. next. These are like gold nuggets, man. Like stop. Write these down, put them in your phone, and implement them tomorrow or so, today. So I'm gonna. This is okay. God, we could do. I'm, this I could know, be we, three I, hours. I'm saying this, you this start could be talking a about relationship yeah. and some kids. And my uncle John, uh, who's my dad's older brother, he he told me this about ten or twelve years ago. And he said, if you want to be queen, you need to make your wife queen. Okay. When I was 25, I was like, yeah, okay, man. Like, I'm going out. And I'm gonna make a lot of queens. Like that was my that was my livelihood, right? As I've progressed and I start realizing it, like. It's about finding that happy place for her. Like you make, mm-hmm. you can't really truly be king until she's happy and 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 being queen. Because a strong queen makes a fucking badass king. Dude, women have a lot. Of, they have way more power than we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they they don't have to exercise it like we do. That's right. They, very subtle movements, like a woman moving moving a inch is like er, a woman moving an inch is like a man moving a mile. They don't have to do much, but what they do in that little bit is huge. It, they, they control our lives. That's right. So why not give them what they need to be able to feel satisfied and happy? That's right. Because they're going to take and all of a sudden, my wife has made me a better person than I could have ever been on my own. And it, I, there are things in my life that I know I'm successful with that I can directly relate back to her having given me. So yeah. It's, and, and again, again, it goes back just, to selfish motives. Like, man, am I doing this for selfish reasons? That's right. No, but no, it's okay. It's okay. Dude, mm-hmm. and that's the thing is like, sometimes all you need to know is I got your back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Dude, my mom, I'm going to work and I'm going to go put that. it in the paint. Yep. Take care of the kids. I'm going to go do what I got to do. But I love you and thank you. 
Mm-hmm. Just go get it done. Dude, if your wife's never told you you got your back, like you need to get to that point where she feels that That's way right. because it is a cool feeling. Like That's awesome. once you know you're on the same team and like when I'm out of town, when I'm gone, when I'm doing like, I know she's my number one cheerleader and she's, she's at home right now waiting for this podcast to be released. She told me this morning, she's like, is it live? Can I listen to it? Like she's so stoked yeah. and it doesn't even really directly affect her, but she knows that it's making me happy, which in turn is going to bring home happiness to the family. She, like, dude, I'm yeah. telling you, it's like just this, this, this of circle of life, man. She's proud of you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So what else you got on your... Your to-do so, list. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, it's a long list. But I'm just giving you kind of some of the high-level stuff. Um, one of the ones that I really want to emphasize is, again, that notifications. Just mm-hmm. do not let your emails and your texts and stuff like that control you. Um, Act, don't react. Yeah, exactly. So right. go in, I'm telling you right now, go to your phone. I don't care what phone you have. Turn off the, the email notifications. Turn off the little red bubbles because those are just going to give you anxiety. Um, and then I think one of the you know final things that I want to talk to guys about is what we started this podcast with, which is work. Yeah. I don't care what business you're in whether you're an accountant or a construction worker, you know, construction workers, this, this is a little bit, this applies a little less to them because what I want to talk about is work. Find a way to go do manual labor at least for a couple of hours every single week. And I'm not talking about just like mowing the lawn. I'm talking about get out and use your body because when you use your body, it creates dexterity. Dexterity mm-hmm. is coordination between your you know, your mind and your hands. And, and you're actually learning how to like, this is why I talk about, you know, becoming older, 30, 35, you know, you get, some of these guys are almost 40. You're Easy becoming there. more to, Easy <laughs> Andy, uh, but as you get closer to like, you know, as you get older, I think a lot of people expect you to lose coordination. Like you become more clumsy, you get hurt more easily. That's not going to happen if you're exercising those skills. So whether it be a good, you know, workout or whatever it is, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that manual labor, going out and learning how to freaking build a fence, go, go fix your sprinklers yourself, go move heavy objects. Dude, I'm telling you, man, it is like, it is like purifying. It will mm-hmm. cleanse your mind and your body from all the bullshit of the week. And it's like, a, it's a, it's probably the most effective way to hit reset. Well, there's something in your DNA that wants you to be a man, right? Like We're I cavemen, think, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I think you know, and I mean, fixing things yep. is that DNA. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think that's what's most envious from my standpoint to what you guys do every yeah. day. I'm a hands-on guy. Like mm-hmm. I love, I love getting dirty. So like when I watch the show, you know, like I and I think you guys do a phenomenal job. You know, you feel a part of this show, but like there's a little bit of me that's jealousy because you get to do. And I'm bringing it back to the beginning. You guys are really doing the American dream, right? You have a, I mean, you guys are controlling your lives. So you guys are, are, are building badass shit. You're inspiring young men. You're great family men. And you're successful at it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just some like little hobby you're doing on the side. You guys are fucking doing it. You I can't mean, do, right. you can't do that without balance, man. No, you but got it's it. fucking get, awesome. Yeah, you know? it's fun, dude. We're, I mean, we're very fortunate. We're very blessed. Speak of balance. Tell me about balance for you. Dude, balance is, man, like <laughs> it's everything we were just talking about. And I think that's probably the key item to remember when somebody says, hey, what is the secret to success? It's about balance. It's about finding a way to keep yourself because because you don't have balance. What happens? You get burnt out. If you don't have balance yet, you get in a bad relationship. If you don't have balance, you don't know how to rest when you need to rest and work when you need to work. It literally all revolves around like finding a way to be able to do enough and then know when you don't need to do anything at all. And so that is for us, like as you become more successful it's tempting to work more because man, I've already had success. I know, like I already know the blueprints. I know what I got to do to have success. I can go form another company tomorrow and I could probably, you know, make a bunch more money running this other company. But then I think, what's that going to do to my bandwidth? You know, remember the early days on the internet, 
AOL, you'd dial yeah. up, it was like 56K <laughs> modem. Do you remember what happened if like somebody would get on the phone or somebody would like yeah, another kid. computer in the house, heaven forbid, would log on? All of a sudden, your Napster songs quit downloading. Like <laughs> right. you were no longer Napster, the AIM dude. That's, yeah, how, exactly. that's how you were the, talking the, to your, everybody. Your chat room would freeze, You're and like, all of a sudden, Mom, yeah. what are you doing, <laughs> dude? It's life is the same way though. Like you have a bandwidth, and uh, if you go too many directions at once, this is the, something that I was very guilty of when I first started my career. Is uh, everybody said I took the shotgun approach? I just wanted to do everything because right. everything was a good idea. Man, I want to pursue that. I want to pursue that, and. I didn't have success and I really didn't make any money until I learned that I can only do two or three big things at a time and focus on them. And then it's okay to stop doing those, whether I want to sell the business or, you know, retire that hobby, but that's going to make room for something else. But if you think that you can fit 10 pounds of shit in a five pound sack, it's not going to work with and life. You're, right? you're going to wind up getting right. burnt out and you're going to wind up just, uh, out of energy. So I got a different approach to balance and it's similar, but different in the sense. And I, this is how I've been able to relate it because I, I was telling you earlier the majority of my following is young parents or you know young men really, and it's like how you know how do you work out how do you find time to work out have a happy marriage run a business, um, you know deal with the guys like how do you fit everything in and I, I've learned and it's actually aligns with your notification tip. I put the phone down and I give whatever's in front of me a hundred percent and I understand that I only I'm working you know when I say nine to five that's because you know when you own the business you work from whenever you're awake and that's right. how it is. But from nine to five, I try to structure my day and I give whatever's in front of me a hundred percent. When I go home, I put my phone down yep. and I give my kids what I got. Yep. When the kids go to sleep, I keep my phone down. Yeah, that's another thing on my list. And I give my wife what, what she, about in the morning. I give, I don't touch my phone until my kids are taken care of. And my wife's taken care and of. And that's what 30 minutes, an hour. Yeah. Right. It's mm -hmm. quick because dude, that is powerful because how, how many times, and I think there's a lot of people who don't necessarily have family obligations that it's a little harder to do that because like, well, what am I going to do in the morning? I'm going to wake up and take care of myself. Right. Like, I'm talking about all the single guys out there, the yeah, bachelors. Yeah. I don't care. Do not touch your phone for at least 30 minutes. Set a damn timer. Go hide your phone. Right. Do not disturb. Do not disturb. Dude, my phone has been on do not disturb since 2012. Yeah, like, yeah. Our, it's never our, been home. Our phones in our culture are really good at trying to convince us that things are urgent when they're really not. Yep. Very, very few things in life are urgent but I on think, a day-to-day -day basis. I think there's True. a piece of it, too, that social, and this is the scary side of social, is your, your self-worth is in that like button. Mm -hmm. right. It's in that little app. You yep. know what I mean? So you want to get up and see... Who's interacting with yeah. you? And did they like it? And how was the post? You know, and it's, that's yeah. tough, man. That's tough. <laughs> you want a surreal experience. And it's so weird that this is, this has become surreal, but wake up, go do your thing, get shower, go have a bowl of cereal or go have your breakfast with your phone nowhere nearby you. Yeah. Dude, your brain starts doing things. That's like, Oh wow. I, I didn't know I could like still think about yeah. stuff like that. You start really thinking and like it creates creativity. So oh, yeah. if you feel like you're stifled, like if you have writer's block in your life, put your phone away. Absolutely. Because your brain will start to like, it's got to entertain itself somehow. So it's going to go here. It's going to go there, but man. I'm telling you just that one little experiment. I did it a while back. Uh, Cause I realized that I was like way too into my phone. My eyes started hurting from looking right. at my phone so much. So I'm going to put it away. I had a bowl of cereal, dude. I felt like I was on drugs. <laughs> because I, was like, I was like looking around the Time house and noticing like burnt out light bulbs and stuff. Trist I was just like, Tristan's like, I told you to do that shit 10 years ago, bro. Dude, this guy is yeah. talking about balance. He just has like a natural balance. Like I could see it. Like yeah, he kind of right. exudes it, that. Like, Hey man, no worries. I got this. Just brings his daughter to work. And that's just, he, he can sit there and do work with his daughter and gives his wife the day off. And that's not even, that's not like a once in a month type thing. That's like a, that's a regular occurrence for his wife is very, she's a great girl. I love Des, but she is, she is very lucky to have a guy like Dave. No, well, I'm very lucky to have her. And today's her birthday. Yeah. Happy hey, birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. Well, while we're on that subject, why don't, why, I'm going to bring Diesel Dave in here for a moment. Tristan. And, uh, 
Tristan. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we'll probably wrap up here unless you have any anything else you're uh, you're dying to to share. But um, I'm fascinated by the fact that you love to to uh, travel, and you're obviously wanting to go out and experience different things. And um, your compatriot here has shared his his thoughts on you know kind of living the successful life, that sort of thing. What have you picked up in your travels or life in general that you would like to offer to our studio, not our studio audience, our uh, podcast audience that might help them live their lives a little bit better? You know, my whole focus in life until now has been to get out there and learn as much as you can about the world by actually being in it, mm-hmm. by experiencing it. And you learn that the most important thing is how you affect other people's lives, the impact that you can have on people by whatever choice you decide to make in your life. So that's gathering that information. All I want to do is teach my kids how to make the world a better place. Because you teach them, then maybe Andy will have some kids that he's not afraid to to let play with my kids. Yeah. But uh, let's see. I would say the biggest thing that I would tell people to focus on is to serve to help other people, to, mm-hmm. to take care of your family first and foremost. Like Dave said, find something to believe in, but then just make sure you're helping somebody. Try every day. I mean, there's, there's so many people out there that need some help. And so I think if you focus on giving part of yourself to somebody else that day, you're going to make the world a better place. I like it, man. I went to Haiti and it was the, it was the changing, it was a pivotal point in my life. Because like the problems that we see as problems, kind of joking about Dave's bandwidth, you know, about the mm-hmm. AOL, like it'd be a big problem because you can't download whatever it is, your Napster song. We 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 still have those quote unquote problems now, right? Like your yep. Bluetooth doesn't work, it doesn't hook up to your to your to your car and you're all pissed off. You realize when you go to those parts of the world by smelling it and experiencing it like you like you were explaining, your problems really aren't problems. And it gives you a great deal of perspective and a great deal of of value what you can do to help other people, you exactly. know, and how you can actually impact other people's lives. That well, teaches you what's important in life. That's it's right. Like mm-hmm. the, the chasing the money and everything's fun, but it's not really what's going to bring you happiness in the end. Yeah. No, no, no. But I mean, and money can be impactful because you yeah. can take your money and go give it, you know, to a region that needs help. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But It'll I, definitely help you along the way. But being able to see, you know, see those parts of the world that, you know, you've been able to experience, I've been able to experience and actually see what real problems are mm-hmm. will open up a different side of your heart and then give you a, a true vision on how to, how to actually lead an impactful life. Exactly. I, I, commend, I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the things I've learned in my life is I know that the minute I stop returning what the Lord's giving me, meaning once, once I decide that, you know, I'm good, I'm going to take care of myself now is when he'll take it away. Oh yeah. Like I understand like for every dollar that I make, I need to plan on giving a portion of that to somebody else and not maybe just donating money, but finding a way to help other people with my time, Mm -hmm. energy, talents, and resources. And I know that the minute, like I just, dude, I know this This is a fact in my head. I know the minute that I stop doing that, that I will lose everything I've Mm -hmm. got. And people need to keep that in mind because it also works the opposite end of the spectrum where the more you give, the more you're given. So it's just, it's absolutely. Give first. Yeah. Guys, I know that most of the people that listen to this podcast probably already know who you guys are, but for those who who don't, uh, what are your socials? How do they connect with you on Insta- Instagram? Uh, they connect with me on Instagram through the Diesel Dave. As is uh, the underscore Diesel underscore Dave. It's yeah, super simple. Super a little simple. clunky. <laughs> nice. Uh, mine is Heavy D Sparks. It's all one word. Um, Instagram and Facebook. It's surprisingly, so and I don't, I don't give Facebook enough attention, but 
Yeah, it's get, coming back, dude. dude. I'm telling you, like, it's I have back. I have more followers over there, and they're more active than even like I'm so proud of my Instagram. I love it. I'm you know all my content is native to Instagram, but dude, you look at Facebook and it's like. People are interacting. They're engaged over yeah. there. So you can find us on either one of those. Uh, Discovery Channel, Diesel Brothers, the TV show. You guys got to um, check it out. If you don't watch the Diesel Brothers, check it it's out. Fun. It's fun. And, and awesome honestly, show. you don't have to like trucks. You don't have to like diesels. Just if you like fun and you like watching somebody like, you know, the American dream, like a business get built, that's what we're doing. So hopefully you can enjoy it. We're working on a new season now. It's going to come out this, uh, you know, coming spring. So it's uh, it's been a wild ride and I think it's just getting started. Dude, I'll tell you right now, like, you know, I do like diesel trucks. I do like family. I do like success stories. Like for me, you guys like, that's my, you guys have my honey hole of what my interests are. So from me personally, I appreciate what you guys do. It's, it's awesome. badass. I appreciate you guys. You guys. Like you I guys said, put you guys, it out there. You guys are super selfless in the way that you put this together. I know that like, you're, nobody's writing you a check for your time right now. So I get that. And like, that's, that's, it's super cool. You're making a big impact that I think is going to be way bigger than you guys ever understand. So it's been awesome to be here. Well, it's been great having you guys. It's been super educating, super motivating, just all in all. An incredible time. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Uh, Sorry, guys. I had to go out and, uh, you know, do my work, do my business in the uh, the bathroom, and it took me a little bit longer than what I thought. So uh, here I am back. I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, This has been an awesome show. It's one of my favorite ones, and I appreciate you guys, and we'll see you guys next time.